Do you like your job? Would you consider working at your job for, say, 10 years? How about 20 years? 30 years? I think in today's shaky economy, most people would agree that working for the same employer at the same job for 30 years would signify a number of things, among those being your happiness with your job, the employer's happiness with you, your commitment, and the overall quality of your work over time. This month on the podcast, we're going to take a look at a gentleman who's been doing the same job for the same employer for 67 years. Pull up a chair, give a listen. Welcome to the Nordonia Hills Branch Library podcast on nonfiction, a discussion of nonfiction specifically and reading generally. This month's podcast, Vince Gully. Well, this is episode 55 of our Reader's Podcast, and in the previous 54 episodes, even though we've covered a wide gamut of topics, subjects, we have somewhat avoided entering into the world of sports until today. Today we're going to look at a man who, in the sports world, has been working, like I said at the outset, for 67 years for the same employer. His name is Vin Scully. He's a baseball announcer who's been employed by the Los Angeles Dodgers for so long that when he was first hired, they were actually the Brooklyn Dodgers. He has put together a string of seasons broadcasting these on both radio and television that is pretty much unrivaled by anyone else in broadcasting history. This season is his 67th and final season before retiring. He is 88 years old. Now, there is nothing I'd rather do than to turn this entire podcast over to Vin Scully right now and have him tell you his story in his own words, because I'm a piker compared to Mr. Scully. Unfortunately, copyright and those kind of laws prevent us from doing such a thing, and Mr. Scully, sad to say, is not here in the studio today, so he's unavailable for comment. Instead, I will be discussing a book entitled Pull Up a Chair, The Vin Scully Story by Kurt Smith. Now, this book was written in 2009, so it is already seven years out of date. However, it is the one and only biography of Mr. Scully that we have to choose from. If you have watched baseball any time in the last 50 years, you have likely heard his wonderful voice. He has done 11 World Series, which is not the record. That record is actually held by Kurt Gowdy, who has broadcast 12. He has been compared to an artist, someone who's so skilled at his craft that one writer has called him the voice of heaven. If you follow sports, particularly football, you may be familiar with John Facenda, the late announcer who was nicknamed the voice of God because of his deep voice. 
Writer Dave Shinen of the Washington Post said a number of years ago, Vin Scully may not be the voice of God, but surely he is the voice you hear elegant and neighborly as you lower yourself into the great easy chair in the sky and reach for the dial. Surely the voice of heaven. Vin Scully is a very well-read man. Listening to his broadcasts, you may just as likely hear him quote Eugene O'Neill, Arthur Miller, or Sir Walter Scott as you would hear him quoting John Fogarty or The Beatles. Back in the day, before local TV, baseball games were blacked out locally. There was no local affiliate to broadcast the home games. The only way you could hear a broadcast would be to listen to it on the radio. If you went to the stadium, thousands of people would bring along their radios, their portables. This book details some of the instances where Vin Scully would actually play with the crowd and get them to respond by the thousands, roaring their answer back to him in the broadcast booth. For example, as a test, he wanted to see how long the delay was on his signal from the radio to the stands, to the guy holding the radio sitting in the bleachers. So he would say something along the lines of, I'm going to say the letter A. And when you think one second has gone by, you say the letter B. He'd say A, and seconds later the stadium would erupt with a chorus of thundering Bs. <laughs> In Los Angeles, he is revered as a broadcast icon. In fact, Los Angeles has had two others that were nearly as beloved as Scully. The late Chick Hearn, who broadcast some 3,500-plus consecutive games with the Lakers from the early 1960s till about 2002. And Bob Miller, who's been broadcasting the Los Angeles Kings hockey team since 1973, and still does to this day. Kurt Smith points out the consistency on the job, consistency of effort, consistency of passion, was one of the key foundations of Vin Scully's work. The voice of the Dodgers was born in 1927 in New York City, born to an Irish family living near the Harlem River in northern Manhattan. As a boy, Scully would crawl under the family radio in the living room. Back then, the radios were huge, boxy-type things, and were actually up on furniture stands. As a kid, he could crawl under the radio and, as he said it, let the sound wash over him. From an early age, he was a baseball fan, although in those days, he was a Giants fan. Back in the 30s and 40s, the baseball Giants were based in New York. He attended Fordham University and graduated just in time after playing baseball and also doing some broadcasting there for the college radio to get picked up by the Brooklyn Dodgers and their own Hall of Fame legendary broadcaster, Red Barber. Vin Scully started with Red Barber on the Dodgers broadcast team in 1950. Vin was 22 years old. In 1953, he was the youngest person to ever broadcast a national World Series broadcast on radio at the age of 25. In the late 50s, the Dodgers and Brooklyn, the city, had a disagreement about the condition of the stadium, the attendance, various other factors, and the O'Malley family, 
who owned the Dodgers, packed up and moved across the country to Los Angeles, where they set up shop in 1958. Along with the ballplayers, Vin Scully also came along, retaining his job with the Dodgers as broadcaster. Scully continued to call the games, the World Series titles in the 1960s for the Dodgers, the near-miss years in the 1970s, Fernando Mania in 1981 when they won another World Series title, and then their final title in 1988, highlighted by the Game 1 home run by Kirk Gibson against the Oakland A's. And Scully has continued to broadcast the 90s, the 2000s, and into the 2010s now. Mr. Smith outlines his book chronologically, following along from Scully's humble beginnings through his school days, the days in Brooklyn, the days in L.A. He chronicles dozens and dozens of anecdotes, things that Scully experienced along the way in his career, including things that were notable in baseball history many, many times, such as Hank Aaron's home run in 1974 that put him ahead of Babe Ruth for the all-time home run record. Scully was there that night because the Atlanta Brave, Aaron, hit it off of Al Dowling, a Dodgers pitcher. Scully's words that day summarized his vision, his approach to the game, in terms of how he dealt with historic moments. Quote, what a marvelous moment for baseball. What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the Deep South for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron, who was met at home plate not only by every member of the Braves, but by his father and mother. Vin Scully had that gift of putting things in perspective, not just in terms of the game and its situation, or even the season and what it meant to the teams that were involved on the field, but also to history, society, or culture. He's a very intelligent broadcaster. Anecdotes like these abound through this book. There is one particular one that I will relate here about Scully's work ethic. Smith details the laborious work that Scully put in over a long weekend in 1989. On Friday, June 2, 1989, Scully called a Los Angeles Dodgers-Houston Astros game, then flew a jet to St. Louis, landing at 1 a.m. Saturday morning. At 9 a.m., Scully woke up, did the St. Louis Cardinals-Chicago Cubs game, who went 10 innings. That game took 3 hours and 19 minutes. His voice was still sharp, and by 7 p.m., Scully was back on the plane, flying back to Texas. He walked into the stadium and into the broadcast booth as the national anthem was being played. He sat there in the broadcast booth in the Astrodome doing the game between the Dodgers and the Astros for 20 innings. The game did not end until 2.50 in the morning, 10 minutes before 3. The game just kind of went on and on. When it was finally over, it was 22 innings in length, 7 hours, 14 minutes, and 44 players played in that game between the two teams. Scully got back and went to bed after 4. He had to be back at the stadium by 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon to start yet the third game, 
between the Dodgers and the Astros. When the game was tied up in the ninth inning, it looked like they were going to extra innings again, and again they went 13 innings. All in all, by the end of the game on Sunday evening, Vince Scully had done 45 innings of baseball in two cities, over four games, and in just 27 hours. If that wasn't enough, he then flew from Houston to Atlanta and did another game that lasted 18 innings on June 5th. Such was just one example of Vince Scully's dedication to his work. Another story that the author relates is that in 2007, Major League Baseball acknowledged Jackie Robinson's breaking of the color line. 2007 was the 60th anniversary of that event. They had a game at Dodger Stadium in which all the players on the Dodgers wore number 42 in honor of Jackie Robinson, the late baseball star. Vin Scully called that game. He was no stranger to Jackie Robinson's legacy, having called hundreds of games in which Jackie played and Scully was behind the microphone. In addition to the anecdotes specifically about Scully's career, you learn about some of the other announcers in baseball, Mel Allen, Ernie Harwell, Jack Buck, Harry Carey, and also those odd little trivia factoids that you find out along the way that baseball fans tend to love. Like, the only man who's ever pitched for all three of the pre-Mets New York teams. That would be the Yankees, the New York Giants, and the Brooklyn Dodgers. And that man's name is Sal Magley. Eventually, towards the end of the book, Smith has to realize that I've got to wrap this thing up somehow, and so he provides an epilogue. His idea of what the ten rules that Vin Scully would tell people if they wanted to emulate his career success. Number one is, to thine own self be true. Number two, near and dear to a librarian's heart, is to read. Vin Scully himself, an extremely well-read man, is quoted as saying, I can't get through the books I'd like to. Fiction, history, politics, mostly non-baseball stuff. When Scully quotes Thomas Aquinas during a broadcast, that is by design, that's not just by happenstance. Some of the other ten include the Puritan work ethic, or the greatest sin is not to try and fail, but to fail to try. And of course, the obvious one, longevity counts. In addition to the life lessons that Smith elaborates on, there's also a list of the accolades that Scully has won. There are too numerous to list here, believe me. In addition to the 11 World Series that he has broadcast, he has also done NFL games and golf, including numerous Masters tournaments. He was recognized as the Sportscaster of the Century by more than one organization. He has a Lifetime Achievement Emmy in sports. He has had baseball fields and streets named after him. He is in numerous halls of fame, at least nine different ones. He has won a Peabody. He's been enshrined in Cooperstown as a broadcaster for over 25 years already. And he has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Baseball 
And in fact, all of sports will be losing an awesome voice when he retires at the end of next month. Consider that when he started broadcasting, Harry Truman was the president at the time. A couple months ago, we did Game of Crowns, in which we tipped our hat to Queen Elizabeth, who's been serving on the throne of England since 1952. She has some longevity. Vin Scully beats her by two years. So we tip our hat to old Vin, too. Now, Mr. Smith's book comes in at just about 236 pages. It is not the uh, be-all, end-all in terms of biographies. There are other things that the reader will find himself saying, well, what about this? Or flesh this out a little bit more. Mr. Smith also tries to be a little bit more lyrical than I think he may be capable of. And you may find yourself scratching your head from time to time saying, uh, i got to reread that because I'm not sure if I get what he's trying to convey. There is a section of photographs in the middle. It is well indexed, and there is a bibliography. Until a better one comes along, this is the definitive biography of Vincent Scully. And if you wish to read it, you will have to request it via Search Ohio, our wonderful program in which you have access to over 70 million items out in the state of Ohio, all delivered right to your local branch. So we do recommend that you pull up a chair and read Pull Up a Chair. It may help if you're a baseball fan or a sports fan, but in reality, the person who is the subject of this book, Vin Scully, should be appreciated by all of us. As someone who only records his voice for attribution once per month, I marvel at the quality and the ability of Mr. Scully. Be sure to stop by and pick up our autumn program flyers. We've got a really nice slate of programs for you here at Nordonia Hills. Join us again next month, where just in time for this election, we'll be taking a look behind the scenes at a politician's life. Until then, we'll see you at your Nordonia Hills Branch Library. Music by 20 Riverside, provided by Mevio's Music Alley. Music.mevio.com Thank you for listening.